my clients teach me too. Mm. It's not like I have this degree on my wall and I know everything and I'm, I'm condescending and I'm like, you're diagnosed with, you know, bipolar one and here you go and here's your meds. And right. like, mm. it's just like, we got to get back to community. We have to get back to God creations as in our food. What a concept. Hippocrates says, let thy food be thy medicine, let thy, let thy medicine be thy food. It's just we've come to a place where we feel we're not enough because we're looking at these little, I call them devil boxes. My my teens hated it when I was at the school. I'm like, put that devil box away. Yeah. And they're like, but miss. And I'm like, no, like I need you to come outside with me. And I would make them come out during lunch and put their feet in the grass as long as there wasn't pesticides. And, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm like, go get yourself a bottle of water and we're going to sit and breathe together. And they, it was like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, a little bit of sunshine. People try to put us to death. Talking about my generation. Hard is the new fun. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, we have Dr. Diana Price from... I'm not a doctor. You're not? No. Oh, I thought, I thought you were. No, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I have a master's oh. degree. I couldn't afford the PhD, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a licensed... Mental health counselor. Mental health counselor. And a certified integrative mental health professional. That's, that's a mouthful. Yeah, it's just a certification of understanding holistic stuff. Okay, cool. So you have a company called Through the Valley Therapy, yeah. and you specialize in complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. You deal with maybe a, a super traumatic event that somebody's gone through, and you help them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's more that I work with those with complex PTSD that started in childhood and it stacks up over the years and they don't even know that's what's happening. And so um, basically a lot of people that come to me understand that I'm trauma informed. I'm not, you know, there's trauma and I know that's like the word of the day nowadays, especially after the global traumatic event that we've all gone sure. through, right? At the same time, PTSD, like the one that people think is usually about war, uh, natural disasters, rape, stuff like that. And that is a true situation that happens to a human. But um, the CPTSD part that's not in the DSM yet, we, well, I have an understanding that some of this stuff starts in childhood. Mm. And um, so what's the, what's the big difference between PTSD and complex PTSD? Complex, it's like a lot of different situations might have have happened to a human being and and it's it was traumatic to them and they don't even know it could started in birth it could have start started in the womb where the mom is stressed out or being abused for example and the baby's feeling that and those little traumas impact you and you don't really? even know it yes and then you're born and then you're born say in a very poor neighborhood right and you're born in a very poor neighborhood, you hear gunshots all the time, you're going to a school that might not have enough resources, 
you are getting yelled at all the time and your personality is like a shy personality and you get emotionally neglected and then you go and grow up and see, you know, your best friend get shot mm. playing basket while you're playing basketball, et cetera, et cetera. And so all these complex things happen, um, these traumatic events happen and you're still trying to get through life. And you don't even notice that this is why now you're at a point with anxiety and depression, which are symptoms in my mindset instead mm. of just a diagnosis. I see. So PTSD is more of a traumatic event that takes place that kind of leaves a scar, while the complex, it's it's a sometimes a lifelong endeavor of trauma that they might not even recognize as trauma. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I like trauma is trauma. Like Dr. Gabor Mate is someone that I highly respect. And he just um, put out a book called The Myth of Normal. And in that, I mean, he has a realization, he knows how to word it in layman's term for people. So I really respect him. And as he did that, is to have that understanding that Trauma is not the event. It's how your body reacts to it mm. or how your brain reacts to it. And sometimes we don't even know, like, you know what I mean? Like you've seen people with that are high strong or that look like they have a chip chip on their shoulder or something. And, and it's not that. It's just you're hypervigilant because your brain is on on. It's kind of like how somebody can maybe have an alcoholic parent and they grow up and they're an alcoholic, but then their sibling grows up and doesn't drink a, a drop of alcohol. Right. Because they both, same experience, yes. different reaction. Right. Okay. Exactly. Because okay. of, remember, we are, the way we are made, we have our mind, our body, and spirit. And the way that we're put together is very unique, but at the same time, time the same you know what i mean like mm. we're made in god's image isn't that a beautiful thing yes and we have a hundred billion trillion cells that the lord made in us and all it wants to do is love us but because of our experiences which could have been traumatic like if you're a person that have high, a lot of resources and mommy and daddy are doing quite well and they know how to parent in a healthy manner and they stopped their intergenerational trauma if they ever had any, but I truly believe because of the fall of man that we all have something sure, <laughs> physical or mental. Mm. Okay. Or even, I mean, of course, spiritual, but it's just understanding how you are a whole being and how you can integrate your mind, your body and spirit for healing. You know, and the way to do that is to really understand you because you can't change anybody else. Except for yourself. Exactly. So how can somebody mm-hmm. be able, what are some symptoms of wow, complex uh, post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder? How would somebody be able to know that they might have something? Well, you can't sleep. You can't eat. It's anxiety and depression. Um, like those symptoms of people that are highly anxious or highly depressed or, um, just like angry all the time. Mm. Like people that like have that anger or take things personal a lot. Mm. Okay. Or, um, what else? Like sleep, how you sleep in, how, how you sleep in. No, like sleeping, like the way you sleep. Right. Um, if you're not having healthy sleep, 
You know, that's because something's on your mind. Your subconscious is amazing. Like I'm still learning about neuroplasticity. Yes. Very, very interesting. It is amazing. It's an amazing concept. So for those at home that don't know what that is, what is neuroplasticity? uh, So neuroplasticity is understanding that your brain um, is able, is malleable, is able to change when you recognize that you can do it. It's crazy, like, concepts and stuff. And I'm not, like, fully versed, so I can't, like, teach it to that. I'm, I'm still taking in all the science and, and understanding it. But I do see, like, limbic retraining, um, how to challenge a thought process, because I am, I am a cognitive behavioral therapist. That is my strongest background is because that's what I've learned at school. That's what I did in my internship. And uh, I love it, too, because it lines up closely to the Bible. And as a Christian counselor, um, I worked in the non-Christian atmosphere the whole time I've been a therapist until God called me to open Through the Valley Therapy in July of 2020. Wow. Yeah. That's a prime time to start a therapy business. (laughs) My word. We don't have to get into that. But hey, so I actually know what neuroplasticity is, surprisingly enough. Because my dad, he is like a brain doctor. And he's always explained it to me in a way that I understand that previous to the early 2000s, science kind of thought that the brain cells you were born with, those are the same ones that you'd die with. And they found out with technology getting better and all this that your brain can actually grow new cells and improve and you don't have to be stuck in once you lose brain cells from maybe like lead or something that could, an external force, you can actually regrow them and get them back. And so he always explained it to me like, you have literal physical pathways in your brain and you have the ability to grow them the more consistently you do something. And he always explained it, like when you play the guitar, when you first pick up the guitar, it's super awkward and weird, and you fumble around and your fingers don't know what to do, but after 10,000 hours, you don't even have to think. You can be having a conversation, you can be playing, it's just second nature. And you can do this with just about anything at all, How how you handle your emotions, how you do anything. You can grow this in your brain through exercise. Right. So what I usually tell the teenagers I work with, because yeah, that was beautiful, right? I mean, I'm so glad you know that. For me, it's like whatever (laughs) fires together, wires together. (laughs) Whatever fires together, wires together. Okay, that makes sense. Right? And so if you keep firing these negative thought patterns or you keep listening to the negativity that people have told you, that's what's going to wire together. And mm. since, see, there's CPTSD. If you're being raised either with emotional abuse or neglect or you're just listening to other people and then, you know, like you said, like say that alcoholic parent that comes home and is like, oh, you're a burden or, you know, sure. and, or they're cursing you out or whatever. Those are the things that are firing together, your neurons that are firing together, they're going to wire together. And that is where I come in as a therapist because a lot of people that come to me, they have these negative thought patterns and they don't even know that they have them. 
They're automatic, right. automatic negative thoughts. Ants, we call them. Dr. Amen, that's another doctor that I listen to. Dr. Amen. Daniel Amen. Love that guy, yeah. 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 Okay, and so I listen to a lot of him. I listen to a lot of different doctors. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, Kolk is from The Body Keep the Score. He's another one that revolutionized my practice. Like Very cool. this is, these are the doctors and scientists that I listen to. And um, they made me realize like, wow, yeah. And I didn't know this is what I was doing when I was working in these places because I worked in community mental health. And there's not a lot of resources out in inner city, urban youth places because you, you don't make money in that, honestly. Sure. And that's, and so that's kind of your expertise, right? Yes. Okay. And so I had to learn ways to empower my client without resources. Mm. And, and especially, you know, they say, well, you have to deal with the parents. Well, honestly, I had a lot of clients that their parents were in prison or their parents were dead or they didn't have, or they had parents that would come in and go off on me, you know? And so, or they were just, they can't, these kids were living in the streets, some of them. Wow. So I had to figure out ways to help them without, you know, without just, keeping them stuck in a system sometimes with medication. I mean, and I have to say this, medicine has its place. Right. Totally. Yes. 100%. We live in the greatest country. Amen. If there's an emergency, yes. medicine can help. <laughs> yes. Yes. In my experience, it should be the last resort, not the first one. Mm. We don't ask enough questions. We don't, we don't do the blood work to see they might be missing a nutrient. They... They might be, right? Easily. Exactly. Yeah. They might be like not getting enough nutrients of food or sleep or a healthy environment. I mean, I've walked into homes where there is just a sleeping bag on the floor and roaches all over the place and rat, mm. rat feces. And, okay. then the, and then the doctor's like, yeah, your son, he needs a prescription drug to focus in school. It's like, wait a second. I, yeah, my, I, I always think about it like, a medication is helping mask symptoms while you need to get to the root cause right. to but be able to create an actual result. Exactly. And the root and that's one thing I learned in the body keeps the score is when, and, and this is something I did in my internship because I, my first year at like doing my practicum at Nova, I was at a school, a Broward County school and I spent the year there and it's the best experience I ever had was, and I loved my supervisor, but I had a lot to learn from them. And I also learned a lot of what never to do. <laughs> it was a beautiful experience. Very yeah, well yeah. balanced. I see it. But we had a lot of young people and they would give me, and remember I'm brand new. So this is my experience. I'm exper I hate to say experimenting, but I'm fresh out of college Sure. and I'm there going, okay, this is it. And then I just start, and this is before I even read The Body Keeps the Score, but a lot of these teenagers, like 16, 15, they already were diagnosed with a bunch of different things since they were like seven or eight. Mm. And they would come in and they would have these fat files, right? And my, it's like, okay, you need to read the files. But I didn't want to, and honestly, I, I hope I can't get in trouble for that, but I never read the files. All I did was like, all right, Lord, you're bringing this kid into my, in my presence. Just let me know what I'm doing. And I just would listen. And that's where I realized like what Carl Rogers taught is, you know, that theory of client-centered, client-centered listening, like just un unconditional positive regard. Mm. That's what it's called. 
And I just would listen. And they were weir- like weirded out. And they're like, you're not going to see what, you know, if I'm taking my meds or, and I'm like, oh, well, are you? And they're like, you don't care about that? And I'm like, no, I just want to know, you know, what led you to this place? Right. And they were like, you're a weird lady, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, as I were was able to really listen and understand, I'm like, oh my goodness. And that's where I was being taught. Like with those experience, I think we were helping each other. Mm. So as a clinician, you know, I'm sitting there just, I have this fancy degree and I'm like trying to gather experience. But at the same time, they were teaching me little by little. They were just teaching me, teaching me. And I was getting taught by the people with the licenses and the, uh, the psychiatrists and, and stuff like that. But that's when I started questioning a lot. Like, wait a minute, why is this book, this DSM, you know, it's just a few psychiatrists that say these are the things that are happening. Well, what about those people that come from a different country? Sure. You know, what about like that, that situation? What about their religion? Because some people have where, um, you know, if you're listening or you hear a voice, that could be a spiritual thing. And I'm sitting there going, Ooh, what's that mean? Like, cause I just became a Christian in 2000. So this mm. experience was happening in 2004. And so I'm still a, a baby Christian at that time. Like I'm still learning too. So anyway, I, uh, I learned a lot. I learned to, especially with teenagers, because so many adults were already telling them so many things. Right. And they're already accepting on so many labels of diagnosis. And so I know right now in the world, very, very commonly talked about topic is mental health, mental health awareness, mental health uh, crisis is a a hot topic. How can therapy Mm -hmm. help? Well, depending on the therapist, (laughs) And this and the situation and the resource, honestly, if if you're searching for therapy, I would find a therapist who's trauma informed big okay. time that understands because with teenagers, especially around here, like South Florida is a whole different ballgame than the rest of the country. I would think we have such beauty and diversity at the same time. It is it is just a system that a lot, especially our school system here, you know, and I'm not putting it down. I am a product of Broward County schools. Okay. <laughs> I am. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, there's a lot of red tape. Mm. So anyway, um, therapy actually is a place. Well, in my place, it's a, a safe container, a safe haven where someone could come in and, just really work things out. I am a mirror. That's how I see. I'm a mirror. And you have this light in you. And the thing is, if you're coming to me, you're probably in a crisis and your light is out. Mm. And my job is to give you all the tools I possibly can to listen to you where you are and give you what you need to get that light back on. And so... Therapy would do that for you. I see. It's just a place for you to really grow with what you've gone through. I I went to a therapist for the first time when I was 21, 22. Okay. After my 
Papa passed away. Mm-hmm. He was like huge mentor in my life. I looked up to him so, so much. And it was a sudden death of from COVID. Oh, and wow. it, it destroyed me. He even got to call me like the hour before he died and go, hey, I'm going to die. And that was crazy for me. And, and it really, I, I went from being like my normal self to being super depressed, feeling borderline autistic, having like these weird like jitters and sounds and just unable to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I just needed some help. I went and saw a the therapist and I noticed after about a month or two, I felt like I was getting worse. Mm-hmm. I felt like that mirror being shined at me, it was not a quick fix. It was not a, a you know, make me feel good. It was pulling out all my inner iniquities and really getting this sensation of like, I messed up and it, it screwed me up even more. Then I, then I pushed through it and it was good. And I came out on the other <laughs> side and it was like, Oh, it was all it's work worth it. It is. It was way more work than I thought. Do you get that reaction commonly? Well, I actually, before anyone could come see me, right. I explained that in our 15 minute free consultation. It's like, <laughs> basically you might get worse before you get better, depending on how much stuff is stored in your subconscious. Right. That's what the situation is. Because some people don't have a lot of stuff and other people do and they don't even realize it because they've pushed it away. Our brain is so beautiful. It wants to protect us, right? So mm-hmm. that's why people like all of a sudden you could be 47 years old, right? Doing a yoga pose and these flashbacks come from when you're five years old that you had no idea that's what happened. And now you're sitting there going, wait, what's this mean? What's this mean? What's this mean? And then the next thing you know, you realize that some crazy stuff happened to you, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and now it's like, what? Because our, we, that's, we have to thank our, ourselves and For how shielding. we're made because it's protecting us. But at the same, that's why, you know, physical illness might come out at times. You get that stomach pain or IBS or understanding mm. like the heart palpitations or it could be, and you don't even know what's happening. You could, I've had clients where a certain smell and they disassociate, and there they go. And we, and then once we figure that out, it's like, oh, so-and-so was wearing that when that happened. Wow. Yeah. It could be another person looking like, and they don't even realize they're disassociating. Or it could be a sound. I mean, think about it. Think about the, your brain, right? I bet you anyone that's listening right now can hear a song and it will either make them super happy and, and they'll remember who it was with, with what they were doing or the opposite. It could be a song that will cause a heartbreak. That was my boyfriend at 13 and he broke my heart. I mean, like Dracar, that cologne. And, <laughs> and I would say like there's a, like, uh, what is it? Take On Me, that one song. So that smell and that one song, I could remember my, my crush in ninth grade. Mm. So that's what I'm saying with the brain and neuroplasticity and understanding how stuff is stored at the same time your brain can change. So if your brain Mm -hmm. is intelligent Mm -hmm. and is shielding you Mm -hmm. from remembering a trauma, why Mm -hmm. is it important to peel that shield off and look inside and work through it? Honestly, I'm going to go to a spiritual aspect of it because that is our calling and that is where we need to help others with it because we're meant to be in community mm-hmm. and we're not supposed to be on this island all by ourselves being greedy and 
narcissistic and capitalistic and don't get me wrong i love my country yeah because <laughs> you know some people will listen to this and be like oh she's a woo-woo yeah but <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah, at no, this, yeah, yeah. no i'm very proud to be an american you know my my mom did not come to this country from a different country to uh you know s- sacrifice everything anyway yeah um so <laughs> it's just it's so important so you could become your best self because these are our lessons, okay? These are the lessons that teach us about us and how, to, because either you're going to stay stuck, you're going to stay the alcoholic, you're going to stay stuck doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, you know, the, mm. the world's way of seeing what insanity is. Right. Or you just like sometimes what happens, I notice that people like, I just, I don't understand why I keep thinking these thoughts, rumination, or I can't believe I'm still treating someone. I don't want to be that person anymore. And that's because you're stuck and there's something in there that's stuck, which usually is honestly, like we, none of us have a perfect childhood. I don't care how rich or poor, how black and white you are, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that ever happened, whether it be you're a child and there's war happening in your yes. country or whether your mom screamed at you because you dro- dropped her expensive vase. Right. It's a similar, that's the worst thing ever. And it leaves similar scars. Your, your body remembers these things because it wants to protect you. So if I'm understanding you correctly, mm-hmm. the reason why somebody would want to work through and take that shield away, that's been like, to forget something or to your your brain trying to protect you. The reason why you'd want to take that off is because there's programs that are running you from that event or from a combination of events that are giving you results that you don't want. And so to peel back, look inside, work through, Mm -hmm. will give you greater understanding on how to break ties with it completely and become the person that you would like to be. Yes. Is that, is that kind of yes, right? Yeah, right. It's like we, all, I even go to therapy. I did okay. EMDR. I come from a traumatic background and I'm not, see, this is how I see it. And I forgot who said it, but healed trauma equals wisdom. Mm. Right. You like that, don't you? I forgot who said <laughs> it and I want to give credit. So if you're listening, let me know. <laughs> But heal trauma equals wisdom. And to me, that wisdom is not for us to hoard for ourselves. Like we need to help the next generation, right? Like you see what's going on now. I don't know if you understand what's happening with our youth. Everybody's anxious, depressed, right. and, and going those, through it. Right. And those are symptoms. Some some of us in the field, the medical field, want to diagnose it. And you're right. Like this is what I ask my clients. Do you want me to help you manage symptoms or do you want to get to the root cause? Mm. And do some people just take manage symptoms? They're like, can we just manage it at first? Because they come, some of them, like back in the day when I was working in other places, um, it, I, that's exactly what I did. I was a crisis intervention counselor. Like there were crises happening, like two people about to get, I mean, I worked at an alternative high school for a few years, but you know, the crisis is like the teenager comes in and they're about, they're, they want to kill themselves. Mm. And I'm there with that, you know, and I have to, figure out what to do at that moment. Cause sometimes I had a Baker act, you know, and send them to that hospital. And other times we were able to get through it. And that, that's a hard part for us therapists. Cause right now I see that because of what happened in COVID and stuff, 
us in the mental health field, we're now the first responders in a way, you know, and I'm not disrespecting police and fire and, sure. and doctors and stuff like that. It's just we, you know, like people are looking to us to help them and we went through it too. Right. <laughs> you know, these last few years. And so I, you know, I work hard on the oxygen tank for myself. That is so important to mm. put that oxygen on. And to me, we're, we are all mind, body, spirit, even though many people want to ignore the spirit part. Yes. I've noticed that with science and a lot of, I don't know, professionals, mm -hmm. college, all this stuff, they ignore what I find to be mm -hmm. the most real thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is the spirit realm. That is the spiritual battles, your spirit as a human being. Science doesn't factor that into the equation. And they want to say that they're right and I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it makes me uh, not trust yeah. the authorities that be that are trying to teach me these things. I, I say science is so broad, obviously. Like yeah. science is, there's real stuff. Right. Like science is just trying to figure out what is real. Actually, what I'm seeing now in the science realm, um, they are finally catching up to God. Yes, I've noticed this. <laughs> I've noticed this with so many things. It's unreal. And they're understanding the, you know, the spiritual realm of things and how important it is. You know, you have a lot of people that are pushing the mindfulness and meditation. And I'm all about that because honestly, that is the Lord tells us to be still and know that he's God. And I am into like that whole like Shinrin-Yuku, which is forest bathing. And I get... Horse bathing? What is that? Oh. <laughs> what is that? Well, it's a Japanese way of calming down anxiety and depression. It's like their own mental wellness situation. Oh, I yeah. think, you just I think that's my favorite thing. Oh, wait. I didn't even know it had a name. Yeah, it's called Shinrin Yuku. And, and that's, see, this is where I get really <laughs> upset with some of the pharisaical uh, religious, uh, two religious Christians where they're like, oh, you're taking something from a different culture and now you're new age? And I'm like, no, I'm not new age. Yeah, you know why I have these rocks? I call them rocks because I went, you know, I went to North Carolina with my grandchildren and went gem mining. These yeah. are gems to me that the Lord made. These are not crystals where I am sitting there trying to, you know, put them in the moon or not. And right. if you do that, if you do that, good for you know, like you do you, because I'm not going to sit there and try to be a fruit sniffer or I'm going to be judgmental. I want to, the Lord called me to love you, mm. period. I, you're the first person I've ever met that agrees with me on that because I have a bunch of stones in my room yeah. and they're so beautiful. And when I look at them, I go, God, you're amazing. You're able to create this. Like this is from the ground from, I don't even know how this is made. And they're all so different. And then I'll have my Christian friends come over and go, oh, you know that's pagan, right? You know that. I'm, I'm like, I'm not charging them up or anything. I'm not like there, doing a seance. That right there proves the mind thing, the neuroplasticity. That right there proves how powerful your brain is. Because if you're putting that meaning into it, like I could literally take that slab of wood that's under his microphone, if you can't see it, um, and be like, oh, this is a form of the wood god. Right. <laughs> so now I'm worshiping. It is about the intention of your heart. Mm. And that's why the Lord says, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Mm. Ooh, that just came to me. 
thank you, Lord. That's anyway, <laughs> sometimes it's hard for me to memorize, and that's really important. But you know, but when stuff comes, I'm like, yay, I'm excited. <laughs> but um, but you see what I'm saying? It's like you are on your own journey. You are walking through this life. It is your job to look within yourself, because a lot of people like to, and I hate to say victimize themselves, and it's, you know, I understand it. Some people come with that victimization, and they, that's where they, that's, they either learned it from, learned behavior from mm-hmm. their environment, or that's all they know, and it's because they're in so much pain, and it's like having to teach. So I do a lot of psychotherapy, I mean, not psychotherapy, psychoeducational. Okay. Um, and which means I love giving, because I work with a lot of adolescents, and I want to empower them. Like, I want to empower you as my client, but I, you know, and we go where you're ready because I'm not going to sit there and say, you need to do A, B, C, and D. Here's a hundred tools. And all of a sudden they feel overwhelmed and they already have shame and guilt. Do you see what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. they feel like they're not enough. Mm. And I try to get them just one step at a time and then habit stack. I love biohacking. I'm a big like proponent of biohacking. Yeah. Even though like I wish I had a sauna and. (laughs) and an ice bath but it's just understanding these things and seeing what would work for them at that moment and you know it's keeping them safe because sometimes they have to go back to the unsafe environment and i can't do much about that unless it's like hardcore like i have to break confidentiality and call the police stuff like that you know there's those laws that i have to abide by as a therapist but most of the time like you know, I can't call CPS for every little thing because some of those things are not total abuse. Yeah, I, I want to get into this because mm-hmm. this is something that I have been... Can I get hot? Yeah. Can I get honest, open, yeah. and transparent? Yeah, go for it. I, I've been struggling with this word abuse mm. lately because I feel like it's lost a lot of meaning mm-hmm. or it's blown out of proportion or maybe it's not. I view myself as a very loving and caring person. Genuinely cares about other people. Serves other people. Mm. A servant leader. That's kind of what this podcast is all about. And I am also very self-analytical. And I look in and I try to pick things apart and try to, why did I say that? All this stuff, right? I got married when I was 20 years old. Okay. Um, we were married for a year and seven months. And it was during COVID, all this stuff, during my grandpa dying. But I still felt much like myself that I do now. And I was labeled without putting a hand on her, without intentionally mm-hmm. trying to abuse her. She labeled me as an abuser. And within a 24-hour period of me not knowing that there was anything wrong to you're an abuser and I'm leaving to not talking again. And she left and sent the divorce papers. And no matter how much I tried to talk to her, to work through it because we made a lifelong commitment, I was abusive. I have never hit anybody in my life. Mm -hmm. Never gotten into a fight. Never even really seen a fight. I've been very blessed. Wow. 
Yes. You didn't grow up in Broward County Schools then? No. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> There's um, a fight every day. <laughs> I've broken up a fight once, but but between two people, but I this was so shocking to me. Yeah, I bet. Because I don't feel like an abuser. I don't identify with that at all. Okay. And yet this label was thrown at me and it made me reconsider when people go, wow, I was abused. Yeah. Because I went, wait a second. I don't, if like someone was abused by their parent, obviously there is abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all of these things are real. Even verbal abuse, emotional abuse. I've I've been starting to second guess this word abuse because of this experience. How is it subjective? Oof, no. Uh, so, is, or is there a, de, a defined line of what abuse is and what it isn't? So, abuse could be financial, emotional, spiritual, domestic, of course, uh, where you're being hit, like in that manner. Um, then you have neglect, which is like a form of abuse when you're being neglected, right? That would be abuse too. So, basically, it's. It's the way the person experiences the pain of whatever's happening with the other human being, I guess. So to me, that because I don't know you, or I just met you, sure. and I don't know her, right? Um, I have no idea. Like, it, it could have been something that you might have said, right? I don't know, and I'm not going right. to start putting that in your head because you'll start ruminating and overthinking things. No, I'm sure. Things, look, you know? I, I, I'm sure there were. I, I reflect back and I and I obviously mm-hmm. regret certain things, right? Yeah. I don't regret the marriage. I look back on it fondly. Oh, yeah. Um I wonder if there is a way mm-hmm. to healthily communicate in the future. And I hope that our audience is learning from this mm-hmm. conversation here. Mm-hmm. That if people don't they're they don't think they're abusers, but yet they're causing damage. Mm-hmm. How do you work through that with somebody? It has. It takes two people to want to work through it. So that right there, like if if she wasn't willing, then she might be something might have stirred up, and she might just utilize that word to hurt you, or that's how she saw it, or I have no idea. Right? I think she's an honest person. Mm-hmm. I think she has the Holy Spirit. I think she's real. I don't think she's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I think that is how she really felt. Wow. I do. Okay. But I also know how I really feel yeah. about how I, I, I'm not those things. Right. So it's like, I guess it does take two. It, it totally, I mean, for any relationship, listen, every relationship is hard. I am married for 29 years. I have four children. I have five grandchildren. I have some friends. I, every relationship is hard. It is. It's work. Because you're getting two different human beings in a relationship with different personalities, different expectations, mm-hmm. different um, realms of physical, mental, and spiritual walks. <laughs> you see where I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we just want what we want when we want it. And I mean, we're selfish at times, right? Sure. And so when it comes to the relationship, it, could have been just a word that she utilized just to get out of it real quick because she might have realized like wait i'm 20 how old was she i think 21 at the time yeah young yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. I mean, you're you're not, but you are. Your brain wasn't even fully developed, dude. You know, your brain's not fully developed. I mean, your your dad's a brain doctor. You said <laughs> till twenty five. Thank you. I know. So you're still not, and she might have jumped in on it, or she might have had her own CPTSD from her childhood, and you two might have trauma bonded. I have no idea the situation because I don't know your story. Sure. I'm, I'm not going to get in, into any detail yeah, about that. Yeah, yet. but you see what I'm saying? And yeah. so all of a sudden this comes in and she could have, you could have just reminded her of something from the past that you might not even know about. And then all of a sudden she realizes, wait, that was abuse. You're the abuser. It could have been projection. It could have been true. Like, I don't know, man. You're you're sweet now, but behind closed doors in a relationship, you could be that guy who like, stop being stupid. And to that, you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and she's trying to tell you something and it's, you're not compatible in that manner. And then all of a sudden she's feeling bad and she's trying to tell, I have no idea if that's what happened, but you see where I'm getting at. Yeah. It could be so many different situations. So yeah, the word abuse though, like I can't, when someone comes to me and they say they've been abused, I have to believe them and I will believe them mm. until, uh, you know, and, and it's not I, until anything. It's just, that is their experience and that's how they're seeing the world. Mm. And as a therapist, I'm not there. I'm not the police officer trying to see if it's the truth so I can arrest that person. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm more of the therapist where I'm like, why are you thinking that way? What led you to that? How is this going to help you in the future? Mm. Is, in your experience, mm -hmm. is it a mindset? I know that's kind of a rough question. Like, what is? Is, is, is it a victimhood mindset to be like, I've been abused. Now, I'm not talking about the, the extreme cases. Well, to me, all cases are uh, validated. Okay. It, it, it can be a mindset. Like, I have seen people come in and they're like, the system's trying to get me down or whatever. And I'm like, okay, it might be. But do you want it to keep keeping you down? Right. Okay. So for me to say it's a mindset of victimization or the word abuse or whatever it is, like I cannot sit there and tell them no. <laughs> right. right. You know? As if that would help. No, exactly. Yeah. Plus, I'm not here to judge them. Yeah. I'm here to give them a service that they hired me for because I do charge money because <laughs> I have to pay this AC that just came on. <laughs> You know, and these light bulbs that you see around here. But um, <laughs> it's just giving them that unconditional positive regard again and that safe t container for them to process and work it out. It is their choice to go from victim to victor, though. Victim to victor. Yes. I like that. Okay, because it is a, everything we do is a choice. It's the, the beautiful free will that the Lord gave us. And we all have it. Mm. And we 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 can learn to utilize it or not. Listen, this is one thing I do say right away. It's like you have five senses, right? Some of us have six senses, but you know, <laughs> we have five senses, and it's your choice to either use those five senses to hurt you or to heal you. Period. Mm. So you've got to watch what you're listening to. You got to watch what you're looking at. You got to watch what you're putting in your body. You have to watch what you're touching, which means where you're going. And you do what else? Smelling? Oh, yeah, you know. Sometimes if you're sitting there smelling farts, it's going to be stanky. Like <laughs> <laughs> so just you have power. You have power to change. 
I truly, truly believe no matter where you are in life, you have that power. Sometimes what has happened, though, people have given up and they've lost Mm. hope. How does somebody, when they come to you and they've lost hope, how do they gain hope back? Um, I, I try to find glimmers. You know, there's triggers. So a trigger is what triggers you to get dysregulated in your brain, what triggers you to, to maybe make that poor choice and that unhealthy coping skill. And then there's glimmers where it happens, but people don't recognize those as much as the triggers because the triggers is what your brain tries to protect you from. The glimmers are the everyday thing. Like the first glimmer I say, you're sitting here in my office, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, hello, you took the first step. And then I try to give them that little tiny bit of hope because they don't, they don't see it. And little by little, we start building on that. So, and of course, like, I do a lot of praying, <laughs> a lot. I understand the verse now, pray without ceasing. Mm. I first, when I remember hearing that, I'm like, what? Come on. Like, that's crazy. Like, how's anyone going to pray all day long, like, without ceasing? Now that is all I do. Like once you leave, I'm like, all right, Lord, help me with that. Make sure when he edits, <laughs> I don't sound like a fool. <laughs> and you know, like stuff like that. That is so admirable. I, I live with a gentleman right now mm-hmm. whom literally, moment he opens his eyes, goes, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He, he'll eat and go, oh, thank you, God. This is so, oh. this, this is so good. He legitimately prays without ceasing as if, Jesus is right there and they're having a convo and it is so cool. It is the only way I could function doing what I'm doing, honestly. Mm. And I don't, because I, the vices that I used to have, the unhealthy coping skills that I used to have, and that's another thing. I'm pretty honest with the people I work with. I'm a kind of an open book. Like, you know, they'll tell me their struggle. Oh, I smoked that. I'm like, yeah, I used to do that too. You know, (laughs) or like, and they're like, what? And then when I give them a when I give them a little bit of that, that gives them hope too. Like, wait, you you changed, you know, you're not that person. And I'm like, yeah, but honestly, it's because I try my best. I am not perfect. I try my best to take up the cross daily. Mm. Okay, and that is hard because you have to deny yourself, and that's even harder because I want what I want too. I sure. like nice things. I want to, you know, but I have, you know, but it isn't about me. Actually, honestly, if you really really think about it, it's about God. <laughs> like we are here for a purpose. All of us. Mm. Every single one of us is here for a reason. You have to find your reason. You have to find your ikigai. Ooh, another Japanese thing that I learned. <laughs> Look it up. Ikigai. <laughs> I-K-I-G-A-I or I-A. Ikigai. Whatever. What's that mean? That is like this Venn diagram that I u- u- utilize because I like simple things that people could see. And you try to find your passion. You try to find something that makes you uh, happy, your call. It's like a whole bunch of different things. And then that middle part is your Ikigai. And that's what you're meant to do. Wow. It's pretty cool. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick it up email. on the screen. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so these are like, that's what I love about understanding other cultures. That's what I love about South Florida because I have learned from different cultures, you know, I'm a BIPOC therapist, black indigenous people of color. 
because some people have no clue what that means. So they're like, what? Chicken pox? I'm like, no, my pox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, chicken pox therapist? What's that mean? <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, so basically that means like, I, I have a lot of cultures, like meaning like people coming from other countries, their parents, and, you know, we're so ethnocentric in this country. Sure. Which I say, I am American, born in New York City, so I'm really American. Super American. Super American. <laughs> Even though the South will fight me on that one. By the way, I'm married to a man from the South. So, <laughs> I'm a Yankee, he's a rebel, but we won't go there. Anyway... <laughs> Um, we, I learned from their cultures, like the way they do things are different, but it doesn't mean they don't have something to contribute. Mm. Right. And so I really have studied a lot of different religions and before I was saved basically, cause I was searching too, just like a lot of these young people are searching. Sure. I mean, I have quite a few clients that are coming in and they're de deconstructing their faith cause they were raising the purity culture. Sure. Why do you read so heavily on that? <laughs> because that's heavy on my heart. Because I am now at a place where I have to be very careful because I want to stick to the word of God. You see what I mean? I am a Christian counselor. They're yeah. coming in now because they have these questions. It's not even just about anxiety and, and depression or even just like diagnosis from the DSM. Because... I don't take insurance, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you come into me and if you want a diagnosis, I will give you one, sure. right? Especially if you need it for other things. But usually we come in and it's trying to get the whole picture to get to the root cause of why you were in a crisis. So, you know, a lot, a few people come in and they want to deconstruct their faith with me. And I'm just like, yeah, now I'm a Christian, right? <laughs> and at the same time, basically what I do is just like open up the word and be still, mm. be still with the word and see where that's going to take you. Because what's happened, what I've seen a lot in different denominations and stuff is that people look at the human more than they are looking at the word and, and God. Sure. And understanding that in context. <laughs> it's expectations. It's things that were told to them. It's just, and it's hard. It's just a hard place for quite a few people. And then they feel like they're never going to find love or or um, they're angry. They're angry because of the hypocrisy they saw. Sure. Yeah. Very common. Yes. And I try to make them understand, like, I just ask questions. Like, you know, is this, you know, are you angry at the human or are you angry at God, really? Like, if you are, that's okay because God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, mm -hmm. right? Like, and so we have to remember, like, everything you're, everything you're going through is um, happening for his glory and your good. Amen, because he sees the whole whole picture yeah. of where, what this experience yes. is leading you yes. to. Yes, the You mentioned, um, I forget the exact words that you used, but purity culture or... Yes. That's very intriguing to me. If you don't mind, could, could we kind of dissect it sure. a little bit? I guess back in the 80s, I mean, I I was saved in 2000. So purity culture, I think, started in the 90s. And I kind of got the tail end of it. And I was already married and, you know, had a baby and stuff like that. Sure. So, and I had my own, listen, I grew up, let me just tell you a little bit of how I grew up. I was raised 
Catholic, Roman Catholic. And my grandma was a Santeria medium. What does that mean? Santeria is a Caribbean religion that's kind of like voodoo and Catholicism had a baby. I don't know how else to say. Yeah. But uh, for those that know what Santeria is, she did not like uh, sacrifice chickens and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Because it gets, if you look into it, it gets kind of brutal. And at the same time, like I learned a lot from that whole. So talk about spiritual abuse and um, coming from a traumatic CPTSD. I had that. And, um, and then I had Catholicism on top of it where I was never encouraged to open up the Bible. I knew, listen, I knew Jesus Christ existed all my life because I saw a bloody man on a cross and I'm not putting down Catholicism because I know really great Christian humans in the Catholic church. Sure. So absolutely. I am not going there. And plus I sort of missed the incense. <laughs> Sorry. Is that blasphemous? <laughs> I, I pray not. That's uh, anyway, but um, plus it was part of my culture, you know, anyway, that whole situation, then I, I'm not going to tell you my whole testimony right now, but so finally the purity culture, I guess it happened in the nineties and it was just like this book that somebody wrote and I forgot the guy's name already. Cause I wasn't a teenager then, but it was, oh, it was like true love waits and, and just this whole movement that was happening in America. And so I guess it's just like keep your virginity, sure. the marriage. What I, I get it. I understand it. At the same time, many had that going on, but no one taught them really about sex and the beauty of it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. This is where I kind of wanted this conversation to go because I grew up in Georgia where if you weren't even a Christian, you were still a Christian because that was just the culture. Everybody was a Christian. Yeah. And so purity culture was totally 100% amongst everybody. That was just the norm. Even if you're secular, that was just the norm of where I lived. And I would, in church and stuff, I, it would be so adamantly just what you just said about how it wasn't talking about the beauty. It was so down your throat. Don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And it actually got me more curious. And I would hear my youth pastor saying like, yeah, do not do it. It is terrible. It's the worst. I mean, I did it in high school a lot. And like, like yeah, I mean, it was fun back then. But now that I'm grown and saved, like, uh, you don't want to get into that. And I would be like, oh, wait, what the heck? Like, you got to do it? But then, like. It's a lot of guilt and shaming, right? Yeah, and totally. that is what I try to work through with the clients. Mm. And, and guilt and shame comes not just from that. It, it's, like, from different situations. I mean, there's guilt and shame of. Um, I have grown women that are mothers that come in and they have guilt and shame because they feel like they're not being enough. They're not, they're not, oh, I'm not this perfect mom or I'm not working. Like I'm working too much. I'm not working. Or um, like my husband wants to have a lot more sex, but I'm tired. And you see what I'm saying? And it's just could become such a different battle for each person. Sure. And so, well, and the deconstructing. So I like to call it disentangling disentangling yeah because when they come in and they have it i'm like do you want a relationship with god or are you just done and they're mm. like no no i want it i want the truth mm. and i'm like well then you're disentangling your faith you are trying to see what is man-made and what is actually god made and the only way you can do that is to open the word and start studying it 
Yes. Yeah. And the word pretty adamantly says don't have premarital sex. Don't yeah. all this stuff is bad and wrong and don't don't do it. Right. And um I find myself or I found myself being so 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 virginity until I'm married mm-hmm. hardcore. Right. And then um I was dating somebody and we we had sex and then I idolized it for many years. Like it was the t- top thing on my mind at all times and then I got back into like wait a second this is wrong this is sin I need to draw a line in the sand not do it at all totally got even more religious with it more it was just my passion for God mm-hmm. trying to do his will right. and trying to do live a life that is pleasing to him yes and so when I started to date my wife we decided that we're going to save our styles and we were successful in that and we got married, but the dirtiness of sex mm. carried over into marriage and the shame and the all of this is wrong yeah. carried over even when it was God honoring where it was destructive and wasn't driving. And um, so that's tough. And I, I feel like now that divorced 23 years old i feel like i've lived the life of a 50 year old <laughs> i mean honey, i'm like i'm like a retiree down in florida this is crazy no um but i feel like i've got so much more now yes. even more than i've ever had in my life of shame and not wanting to go near and not wanting to go on a date and not wanting to talk to anybody because i'm nervous that it could happen or i would want it to happen so i want to get married again so that it could happen and I, I i've just got this whole I know I'm kind of like this is a therapy session now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a show that's going on the internet for everybody. When when I was talking to you over the phone mm-hmm. and you were like, "Yeah, one of the episodes you said that you got diagnosed bipolar." I was like, "Wait, I said that?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> this is on the internet for everybody. That's to see? what intrigued me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, see, cool. I just want to get into your brain. <laughs> oh, I see. Just kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not. No, I just want to understand the why. That has been how I've been as a counselor ever since I went into counseling, is why? Curious. Observer. Being curious. Curious observer. No, I want you to become a curious observer. Okay? I'm just there to help guide you into observing yourself of your your own why. I'm trying to find out your why, right? You're paying me to find out your why. And at the same time, you have to do the work. And really, every time you feel this feel that you're sort of like complaining or not liking, then we need to figure out, the why is it sin is it because is somebody else's sin Ooh, what does that mean well think about it there's young kids that i mean i know that i've had young teenagers that have been raped by their own fathers biological by the way Mm. oh yeah i have seen um teenagers where they walked in on a murder suicide and it's their mom and their stepdad holy smokes oh so, yeah, if I start thinking about it, I'm going to start crying. And then I got to start praying. And I don't know if you all want to hear that. <laughs> I'm on. on so this. so how how do you work with your clients? Because is this, is this something that you've worked with somebody before as far as the shame and blame and guilt with the sex goes? It, yeah. Bec- well, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, I had a client. I don't have him anymore. And, and this is something that's happening a lot because of social media and just the internet itself. 
um, and it's happening and us therapists are realizing we have 19 year olds with erectile dysfunction. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, because of the porn. porn. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, back in my day, guess what? Everybody had that one magazine that they were passing around. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and now everybody has a oh, infinite amount infinite. in their pocket. And it's just getting worse and worse and crazier and crazier. And this is how, I don't know how anyone denies evil. I don't know. Yeah, but it's it is, it's, it's just. There's countries banning it. And I, crazy take. I think that we should do it here. I think it would yeah, really with that. help. There's a whole underground. Okay. It's sex trafficking. There's a on dark camera. web that that people most people now now people are gonna know when they hear me say it, but I there's stuff that listen, but I wanna keep your sanity, not make you more <laughs> insane as you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously. So um, so how how do you mm-hmm. help your patients mm-hmm. find the beauty in sex again? The God designed intercourse. So with my clients, I don't like calling them patients because that sounds so, oof. like, you know what I mean? Plus, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> With my clients, I it's a, some of them, it's a slow process where we have to build up who they are in God. Mm. That's it. It is pointing back to their purpose on why they're here on this earth, little by little. And then disentangling thought process and, and getting to, to understand, like, these stories have happened to them. This is what's happened. And I want to help them take it out of their brain and give it new meaning and then stick it back in there. Because mm-hmm. like I said earlier, heal trauma equals wisdom. And with that, it takes work. Plus your, your cells, trauma stays in your cells. I mean, this is a new science that they're understanding now more than cellular. like cellular. Ep- yeah. Epigenetics and the biology of yes. belief. Like Dr. Bruce Lipton was another doctor that I was following and he's like a biologist. I literally just listened to that book this week. Which one? The, the, um, Bio- biology of belief. No, you did not. Yes, I Dr. Did. Bruce Lipton. Yes. No. <laughs> literally. Yes. Because anybody, anytime I mentioned that guy, I've been listening to him for years and years and, and I'm telling you like these people I've been listening to probably five, I mean, right when they got on the scene and, uh, the next thing you know, they're like, oh, wait, what? That's not Christian or that's woo-woo or whatever. And I'm just like, I follow the science, not the money. There's mm. a big difference because you have a lot of people saying follow the science. But then when you do, it's like leads to, wait, this is a money-making machine. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. I want the, the actual double-blind studies where you have an understanding of the whole picture and it's been studied a lot. And it's not these big companies paying your study. Right. But or I'm not going to even... Or, or paying to get the result that they want. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to... I don't want to go there because <laughs> there's people that believe that way and I don't want to, like, make them feel shame or guilt. But anyway. Sure. <laughs> but um, with those clients, it is just little by little getting them to be still and understand who the creator of this universe is at the same time get him to understand their purpose, who they are and where they want to be and go, you know, and some clients like I could work with them for years and others two sessions and they're like, I'm good. (laughs) And I'm like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad that you're good. Give me a Google review. No, they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. Honestly, they're not because of HIPAA and all that. And plus they don't, unless they want to just put themselves out there and, you know, because there's such a stigma, which, 
gets me, that's another word, stigma, right? Because, but I'm going to tell everybody that everybody has everything. <laughs> everybody has everything. What no, I'm talking about? about like everybody has something. Oh, uh, yeah, Some yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. mental something going on. Sure. Hey, so hypothetically, could somebody listening to this podcast that is enjoying it um, immensely mm-hmm. and thinks that you're super smart and cool, could they go leave a Google review? Oh my gosh, I would love that. <laughs> no, I actually, listen, everything... I do in through the Valley therapy is to glorify God and to help this community that's hurting. And if you want to leave that, yeah, that's fine. But if not, I'm not, I'm not going to, this is the hard part for me right now. Honestly, I just met with someone this morning about building my practice, right? Because I wish I could do this all for free. Right. I wish I could just do all of this for free because like I worked in community mental health. I see what's out there. I see like, it's a lot of people suffering a lot. And I do, I do, I take pro bono cases. I do. Um, but I can't take them all pro bono. And I do sliding scale at time. Like I'm, I can't turn away somebody. I just can't. And I know maybe I do have some kind of codependency and I still have issues. Yeah, whatever. But Honestly, though, I do work. I, I try my best to work out my stuff with my therapist. Um, but it's just, I have to, this is a business as well. And I hate seeing this like this. This is why when I started this, I fought it. Honestly, I fought doing through the Valley Therapy. God called me to do it, like I said, in July of 2020. And I'm like, actually, he called me in May of 2020. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Do you see what's going on? Do you see what you're allowing right now? Like I'm going, no, I already have these students that I'm responsible for at the school I was working at. And, uh, I just, you know, but in in the evenings I would take one client here and I was building, you know, and by July the the name came to me and I, I was like, wow, it's not even on Sunbiz. I'm like, okay. Like every, I fought it. I fought it (laughs) just like when coming back to this, um, industry in itself because I was like we were talking earlier I was in a whole different career before I ended up right. being called back into counseling and it happened in um 2018 when the Parkland shooting happened mm. I had parents calling me and asking me hey you know my kid went to Parkland or they're they live in Parkland or whatever and that was I, a school shooting, school shooting yeah. yeah um and I wasn't a therapist then I let everything go Honestly, I was like, I'm not, I, I think I kept the registered intern license just in case, but I was loving the film industry. I was in the right. South Florida film industry for a minute there, six years, but uh, I loved it. And the next thing you know, God's like, you're going back to be a therapist. I was like, no way. There's no way. I don't, I, I don't even have the paper. I don't want to do this. Do you not, did you see what just happened? Like, and little by little, I stopped getting gigs. Mm. my agents, which I had a few, we were like, sorry, I don't know what's going on. And then, but you know, everybody else, all the people in the, the other, in, in the acting And then realm. when COVID hit, it, the film industry shut down completely. It oh was yeah. Like, it was, yeah. It was but, done. but that was the thing. Like in 2018, by September of 2018, I got that job as a crisis intervention wow. counselor. So let me ask you, mm. how do you keep it together? <laughs> Taking on everybody's Keep trauma it, all the haven't time. Haven't you heard me for the last hour? Oh, right, right. Pray, 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 Do pray. I have I have it together? <laughs> Y'all think I have it together? <laughs> no. How do you, I guess this is just a question. I've been curious about this. How do therapists mm-hmm. not internalize all this? You're hearing the worst of everybody's lives all day long. How do you 
go home and then decompress and be like, and just try and, and try to just live your your life. Well, burnout and compassion fatigue is a real thing in this field. Mm. Okay. And I truly feel that I, if I don't, this is my morning routine. I'm just going to share it with you. I wake up in the morning and I stretch and thank God for another day. I make my bed. Honestly, I've learned Jim Quick. That's a podcast you want to hear. Jim Quick. I love him, right? He's like, you want to be successful. These are the things you need to do. So I picked up a few of those habits. So I make my bed. Because it's a, a thing you do and you accomplish and you feel good about. And then I go make my green tea. And the whole time I'm doing these things, I'm praying. I don't have children anymore in the house because I know mommies, if you're listening to and you're a mommy, I totally get it. I've been there, done that. But you still need to make time for you. You have to put that oxygen tank on. So then I take my green tea. I let my dog out. I go feed my little birds. So I have bird feeders. And then I sit out back with my Bible. I ask God, please protect this brain of mine. Please protect my heart. Because whatever's coming my way, give me the tools. Um, there, I'm going to give you a tidbit. There is a, an app called One Minute Pause. You ever heard of it? No. John Elridge, One Minute Pause. I utilize it in my therapy. I, that's like a homework I give a lot of my clients. And you can listen it one minute, three minute, five minutes. And absolutely love it because he just guides you because some people can't sit still like if they've had a lot of trauma and they have a high ACE score which is adverse child experience score they're not it's scary to be still because they've had their their cells are just bouncing all over the place and then the thoughts start to come in yes right and so when you hear someone <laughs> telling you what to think and what to do it's really good and I love it because it is a it, it focuses on Jesus Mm. And it does in the music and the breath. And then I do another app called Breathly, and that's free. These apps are free because I have to find resources for people as much as I can to empower them. That doesn't cost a lot of money because a lot of my clients don't have money. Um, and it's called Breathly app. And I do about 10 minutes breath work. And breath work, people have no idea. And it's not woo-woo and don't start thinking it's not Christian because God made breath. Read Genesis. You breathe into us. Yeah. Right? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Oh, and, and not only that, but think about why we need nutrition and minerals and, and stuff like that. Because we're made from the earth. Right. Iron. You know, very, magnesium. Very intriguing. Yeah. Oh, I have, I, I was downloaded in September, this whole thing that I want to finish and accomplish. And I don't, I, I wrote out the outline. And it's called like the Genesis Remedy. Oh. And it has to do with light. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give it away because someone might steal it. <laughs> That's cool. I look forward to we'll hearing more about it. Oh, well, pray for me because it's like I start, I have the outline and I want, it's like an eight week program and I wanted to do it as a, a study for women. Cool. Just to empower them because a lot of people don't understand like the five sentences and what they're doing to themselves or like the Shinrin Yuku and just like God gave us everything. Right. The herbs, the spices, the, the oils, the, you know, and it doesn't have to be where you're like, <gasps> I'm going, who are you going against? The Lord made them. Yeah, and if anything, if you're giving power to them for pagan practices and stuff, because what's happened is the world has stolen these things, not to get too crazy with it, but like the rainbow. Mm -hmm. The world took that. Mm -hmm. And now when you see a rainbow, you think of something else that's not God's promise to us. Right. 
with the oils, with the herbs, with the rocks, with the everything. Don't let the world take these be- beautiful God-made things. Yes. Take it back. It's Yeah, it is about, like, are you taking it to idolize it? Mm. That's the difference. I mean, read your Ten Commandments, right? I mean, it's like, is that become your God? If that has become your God, then that is the problem. Right. That is idol worship. And I'm not trying to get you to worship any breath work or anything like that. To me, it's like teaching you how to be responsible for you and how to just get back to like how we were made how God created us and why he created us. And like, we have so much confusion. That is the probably the major thing I see is I have clients that come in and they have so much confusion because of, you know, the last 10 years of social, this anxiety and depression is up at such high. Everybody. Right? Yeah. At the same time, we have all this medication and all these answers, then why are why am I having human beings right here? Because I live off Dixie Highway right here. W- stepping foot in front of Brightline. Mm. Constantly. It's not like one. It's like, it's a, it's a situation that's horrible. Whoa. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like. We don't have a headache because of a lack of aspirin in our body. Mm. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like we got to get back to community. We have to get back to God creations as in our food, as in. What a concept. Right? <laughs> Listen, it, it, back in the day, well, Hippocrates says, let thy food be thy medicine, let thy, let thy medicine be thy food. It's just we've come to a place where we feel we're not enough because we're looking at these little I call them devil boxes. My my teens hated it when I was at the school. I'm like, put that devil box away. Yeah. And they're like, but miss. And I'm like, no, like I need you to come outside with me. And I would make them come out during lunch and put their feet in the grass as long as there wasn't pesticides. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, go get yourself a bottle of water and we're going to sit and breathe together. And they, it was like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of, and giving back. Like I remember I had one client and she she was ha- she comes from a rough rough place and so i started saying you you love you want to help others well, let's think of a way and to this day i still do this she we created this where it's cheaply we could go to a dollar store buy a few items put them in sandwich bags and we have to make sure it doesn't melt and when we're at any street and now anytime i make these bags i think of her and she has no idea how, see what I mean? Like my clients teach me too. Mm. It's not like I have this degree on my wall and I know everything and I'm, I'm condescending and I'm like, you're diagnosed with, you know, bipolar one and here you go and here's your meds and right. like, uh, you know, and I got to be careful because the DSM has its place. <laughs> <laughs> but then why does it change all the time? Right. That. That's something that I have debated, as if debates ever work, with my friends that were Christian, went off to college, came back an atheist. I'll go, they'll go, but the science says, the science says. I'll go, the science that you're putting your faith in Mm. is changing every year at a rapid pace. It's proving itself wrong all the time. The the book that I put my faith in is on changing for 2,000 years. Right. 
who's more yeah grounded it is too that we ha- we forget that these are theories and think of the word theory right right and so these are theories and you know i've had these debates too with people that are very like scientifically minded which i love that about them totally and um and wanting answers i think we all want knowledge some of us want knowledge some of us want knowledge to be selfish with but it's like that wisdom it it I could prove it over and over in my own life, my faith. Like, my job is to have faith. I'm not going to sit there and put it on you. If you ask questions, I'll give you answers. You might put me down because in the, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, right? And you will be persecuted. And I know that. And so, fine, like, if you have a problem with me, well, that's your problem, mm. Right? And I'm not going to try to force anything on you in my faith, but my faith is what gives me hope. and My hope is what gives me love. Wow. And the greatest is love. Ooh, First Corinthians 13. <laughs> <laughs> One verse, though. Damn. I know. <laughs> it's in there, though. <laughs> it's in here, though. Aww, in your heart. Yes, for sure. Wow. I feel like this has been a very inspiring podcast. My last question I was going to ask you is, You've made an impact on so many people, so many of your clients. Yes. What's an impact they've made on you? But you you already went into that. Do you have another story other than the baggie of <laughs> treats and good stuff? For the, for the homeless? Yeah. Um, I think every client... Sorry. That gives me the privilege and honor to serve them. Teaches me more and more how to be better for the next person. Mm. that comes in because first of all it takes a lot of courage for someone to come in and deal with their crap i've had some hard hard cases and they come in with so much pain and i try to um mourn when they mourn and rejoice when they rejoice and so every client i'm telling you and i don't take it lightly like first do no harm and I don't take it lightly at all. And I don't take everybody either because I know my wheelhouse. I know when I'm like, okay, you need a substance abuse counselor. I, you've got to go over here sure. because I know my boundaries. And so I think the clients that come in, like after we meet that first 15 minute, you know, free 15 minute consultation and stuff, I, I, God gives me the discernment because that is the gift I have is discernment. And I thank God for that every day. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, and I'm a feeling this way, you know? Um, and yeah, they teach me. Each one of them has taught me so much because they come from so, so many different walks of life. And that's a problem because like people are like, what's your niche? And I'm like, oh, I don't have a niche. My niche. Yeah, like... Uh, anyone in South Florida? <laughs> no. Uh, actually, I got people c- now all over the state of Florida. Really? Yeah, and they, they just passed this thing to call the Counseling Compact. What is that? That is where eventually my license will be able to be utilized all over the, the state, uh, in any state that signed the, the compact. Kind of like nurses oh. have where they can now practice at any state that signed their compact, I think it is. We have that too. 
good? Why would they restrict you from going to a different state in, in well, the first place? I understand that if there's an emergency, say someone's in Co- Colorado or wherever, right? And I don't know the resources there. You see where I'm getting at? Yeah. And I'm there counseling and they're suicidal and I don't know who to call and the police. I mean, there's, so you have to be aware of that. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out. The compact has been signed and plus telehealth, like, oh my word, like, most of my colleagues just do telehealth now. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm a, they're like, you meet in person? I'm like, yeah. So I have people coming all the way from West Palm down to Mir- from Miramar. So from Miramar and then West Palm Beach, they come down to me because I meet in person and they are longing for that. Yes. Very quickly. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch of podcasts are sponsored by, I'm not going to say the name of the, the company, but it is a telehealth, mm-hmm. teletherapy mm-hmm company Mm -hmm. and it's becoming increasingly popular do you think there's something to therapy that an in-person two people looking at each other in the eye energy it goes beyond looking at them on a zoom screen yes for sure and that's why i i would took the leap of faith and and made this office because that's something i did learn working at this high school was um during covid after we were allowed to come back, I had so many students with social anxiety. Plus, working with teenagers, I'm like, dude, get off your cell phone because they're on their laptop, and I don't want to see your forehead anymore. Sure. Miss, I don't want to see your face. I'm like, fine, I need to see your eyeballs. Yeah. Because that is the window to the soul. But anyway, (laughs) right? Yes, 100%. So it's just, yeah. When they come in person, like, if they can come they see the difference. I do. I like having the hybrid. Now I did learn the blessing from this lesson because I hate it online. I absolutely, plus I'm extroverted. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. And I love humans. I love them. I absolutely love them. And so, um, being in person, I mean, you could, if we would have done this online, we would, we wouldn't have the same. No way. Right. No way. And in I, the office, my, my office is like a spa. You come in. Yes. I have like a There's rock. a vibe going in here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, these plants are real. They're not fake. Right? Those are my babies now. <laughs> Since all my babies have flown to the nest. So, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think we drive so well on so many things. But the, the, the in-person thing, I have grown up on the internet. Mm-hmm. I My job's on the internet. True. Everything I do. So I try to get in person as much as possible. I don't buy from Amazon. I go to the store. I don't do my banking app. I go to the bank. Wow. I, everything is in person because it energizes me. It really does. And I feel like this world is really missing that. Yes. And I think that is a really great point that when you're looking at another human in the eyes, it's just different. Yes. There's, again... I use the phrase woo-woo all the time. Do you really? Yes, all the time. So you saying that, I'm like, yes. No, but people think that it's woo-woo when I say energy. I know. That's another thing. We need to take back. Yeah, exactly. It's real. When when you're in person looking at somebody in the eyes, the energy there is so much more personal. It's it's, it's, There's something to it. Body language to me, because I've studied that, like I know, like, while I'm sitting there with my client, I'm looking at their foot tapping, you know, or if they're holding their stomach because somatic symptoms are true, are real. So when their thoughts go to a place where it's uncomfortable, 
I stop them and I ask them, where are you feeling that? And they're mm. like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you feel it in your heart? Do you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it? In because I've studied traditional Chinese medicine. I am not a practitioner. I'm not sure. Like, you but know. But you can read. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I've studied. Like, uh, that's why I'm a certified integrative, you know, mental health professor. They, they, I, I've gone to acupuncture. I've gone to traditional Chinese medicine. I know Ayurvedic medicine, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so I know the importance of those things because I love to learn from other cultures. Right. If I would, it was able to go travel and learn from shamans and other things, I think I would. Like, I would love, we've had these cultures way before America was made. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that, people. Let's not forget, like, if you're listening to me right now, just take a minute and sit with yourself and figure out where your ancestors came from. You know, think about that. And then think about how they were. They were in some kind of tribe, maybe. Sure. Right? And in that tribe, they had their doctor or whatever it is, their midwife or their herbalist. Or do you see what I'm saying? That the Lord made us all and gave us everything we needed on this earth. It's just... Oof, human beings in their greed and, you know, in their flesh, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm. Simple as that. Simple as that. You know? I think there's a lot to learn from our ancestors, yes. our ancient culture. Yes. I love America. I'm very yeah. patriotic. Yes. But at the same time, I understand we are not the end all y'all right. of everything if we were mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the top depression anxiety rates we wouldn't have the top divorce rates obesity we rates obesity <laughs> like all these huge things yes. it's we have we've forgotten god and we've become little gods ourselves. whoa whoa that's a bomb i know dropped. i'm sorry i'm a therapist i should have <laughs> dropped that bomb <laughs> So sorry. Yeah, I'll give you a free 20-minute consultation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, there's probably people that are actually really suffering, and I'm so sorry if you are. So, um, But there's, like, resources out there, like 211 Broward, and 988 is where you call if you need to talk to somebody. And you know what? I really encourage you even – remember, emotions are temporary. Your feelings are temporary, mm. okay? And – you're just going to have to go into a community and sometimes just go find help because that pride that's a lot of people have or that embarrassment or the stigma. Every, listen, we all are going through something. All of us. How could we not? We just went through a global, global people. All of us went through it. And some of us are dealing with it worse than others. Mm -hmm. You know, so find a local Bible believing church and start there. That is a, uh, that's a good way to put it. Bible believing church. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what a great note to end on. Mm. We gave some great resources for apps. I feel like I've taken away a good understanding of what complex post-traumatic stress syndrome is. Mm -hmm. You just gave some great numbers to call if you're feeling suicidal or you just want to talk to somebody. Where can our audience find you? Do you have a website? Do you have any social media? Oh, don't go to my social media. I'm old. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to be like, she's goofy. But anyway, um, through the valleytherapy.com, that's where you would find me. My website, again, is uh, through the valleytherapy, 
com, And, um, you know, there's a lot of resources out there that people don't even know, you know, and churches usually have some resources as well. Um, like I said, that 211 Broward, like, but that's, if you're not in Broward though, like there has to be some community resources for you as well. Um, if you're in a school, your school should have a school counselor and you can ask that. You have to become your own advocate, honestly. Even if you're shy, even if you don't feel like it, even if you can't even get out of your bed, you need to get out of your bed, please, and get the help you need. And don't be embarrassed. You're not alone. Powerful. So if you're in South Florida, Broward County, you're looking for a therapist, a counselor, somebody to talk to, Yeah. that Hyena might be a great, a great solution and available for you. Yeah, I'll so with try. That being said... Thank you for being on the show. And Thank you for having me. This was me. great. Oh, thanks for coming in my office. Yeah. <laughs> in my little spa office. All right. Thank you, guys. I wish you-